0: Welcome to Meeting Mouthness, a pavement podcast. I from Cantos for I James Michener, part two, by David Berman, from his collection of poems, Actual Air. C.I. The jets move slowly through the sky like they'll never reach Denver or wherever they're going. And I have the feeling that people are high-fiving nearby, spontaneously, like a saloon brawl, where everybody suddenly starts fighting, as if each man has a pre-conscious knowledge of which side he's on when he enters a crowded room. And this fight starts with a Polish joke that a man at the bar begins to tell. But it's not funny, as it concerns a stillborn child and an alcoholic slain by the last European wolf. And even after three hours, there is no punchline in sight. When he reaches the part where the Polish scientist who has been navigating through millimeters of wilderness discovers subatomic temples in a rust sample, none of the men are listening. They're thinking about their own childhoods. About the deep embarrassment of scoring on your own team. And the view from falling behind. CXI. If you have ever quit an imaginary job over an imaginary pay cut, mistakenly taken your own house's thermostat for a dial with which to focus the windows, written a play about the special relationship that blooms when a withdrawn honor student is assigned to tutor the school's basketball star, fallen in love with the woman who plays the part of your character's wife and bears you a child that can communicate with rust. Been deafened by the panoply of voices in the classifieds. Tied up to every private detective in town with false leads. Taken photos of people saying, shut up, or know a place where you can get married at midnight. Then you know what I'm talking about. C.I.X. The smokers were encamped on a rivulet in the South Forty. Their leader, a tall housewife decorated with medals from the Virginia and North Carolina state legislatures, sucked on a menthol 100 and scanned the cured fields. I whistled when I got within earshot to let them know I was coming. The smoker children ran out to meet me and I passed out nicotine gum and colorful matchbooks. I lit up and approached the oak tree where the leader's tent was pitched. She stared at me contemptuously and opened her bathrobe. I sucked on each breast for a second. She motioned for me to sit on the beer chest. It was my land they were camping on, but it sure didn't feel like it. She stuck a cigarette in her mouth and I jumped up to light it. Sit down, she said. Did you bring the scratch tickets? Here they are. What are they saying in town? There are rumors of a sale. X C V I X C V.I. He wasn't sure how the bathroom mirror worked, but decided it must be powered by the razor blades and aspirin he found in the engine compartment. It was a matter of relearning everything after he surfaced from the coma. The hospital chapel had bought a battered fog machine from a local heavy metal band that broke up over disagreements about Viking iconography. Sitting in the back row, he began to pray for his hospital roommate suffering under the Byzantine complexity of back pain. He said it felt like he was lying on top of an architect's model of a small town whose five-story bank building commanded a view of the plains. Clouds of steam drifted around his ankles. C.I.I. The waiting room across the hall was filled with hostile stepsons. He was studying their faces when his favorite nurse came in to show him an x-ray of a scarecrow she had found in the chapel. Someone had written, The Unborn God of the C8H17NO4S Indians on the bottom. Here, this pill should make you feel like a turtle tangled up in a dry cleaning bag. The nurses are so beautiful, he thought. Try to remember they are covered in germs. C.V. He woke up at 1234 and saw the mirror knots standing by the full-length mirror in their chrome uniforms. Their scouts had already crossed. They were going to war on the other side to fight for the stranger's right to know. For the models in the picture that come with the frame, and all others who seek freedom from liberty and movies about movies about movies. The mirror in the room is full of carbon monoxide. That's why we cannot pass without these chrome suits. If the other side looks identical, study closely. You'll see an object that's not in the room you're standing in, like a lute on the dresser, partially hidden by compacts and atomizers. The mirror knots vanished into the glass. We are living in unwritten Bible stories, he thought, that God created forest clearings so he could spy on the Indians. C-X-V-I-I Deep within the interiors of a Polish joke where time slowly reduces the stairs into ramps and men with hospital haircuts sit in focus groups discussing the algebra of back pain and the power of not caring. Here in some mother-in-law's version of Poland where even magicians are regulated by the state. He walked to the window and said, night you fucking challenger, here I am. Through the mirror he heard the war cry of the C8H17NO4S Indians. His back hurt. CXXVI. CXXVI. From our upstairs porch, I watch my neighbor, a small town accountant with a voice like a toy keyboard, begin his walk to work in a navy blue Botany 500 suit, bought used in an LA consignment store while visiting his widower son in law and blind granddaughter. And, according to my neighbor, formerly owned by Jean Rayburn, the retired game show host whose grotesque aura still haunts the 7 o'clock time slots of my body's internal clock along with Merv Griffin, Don Rickles, Cloris Leachman, Burt Convy, Wink Martindale, and the tenants of every Hollywood square. Those horrible hucksters, sickening adults, hyenas who seem to have had their protégés on every main street. The men with perms, tight gray curls, erupting over the alcoholic topography of their oiled faces. A legion of salesmen ruined by bad translations of an already disastrous California ideal. Their eyes stinking like boiled cocktail onions as they emerge from sleek 1980 Thunderbirds. All marinated teeth and snowplow mustaches. Fresh from invigorating divorces dragging tawny S-shaped girlfriends by the wrists to wooden gargoyle waterbeds where stereo systems built into the headboards played Eye in the Sky by the Alan Parsons Project endlessly through the night. These men quietly disappeared sometime during the first Reagan administration. If the mirror did come for them, then they must have leapt down through the bedroom ceilings, and the men must have woken up screaming as their carpeting was ripped up, the aquarium smashed with baseball bats, And then angry, insane, my ex-wife is behind this, isn't she? Obscure cuss words, now lost to us, spilling out of their fat mouths. CXXXII Inside an abandoned spa where Swiss hardcore kids squat in polar rooms underneath fountains of careless feedback, Or within the funeral home's fuse box, which operates the violet shadows on the lawn and the digital eyes of the elkhead bolted above the respirating fireplace. You, on the edge of the rain-shot shadows, con the world into lamenting anything until no one can recall how true stories end. If it existed, we'd used it already. The dream of important mail, like trumpets crashing into men or oceans cruising through the furious night. While lonely seaside dentists hasten to incorporate chocolate towers into their huge, immovable desserts. If we are lured into violent matinees, we are only acting as the agents of coin circulation. Like stuffed animals sharing coffee in the dorms or interstate median castaways with wild children, we are all auditioning for a newish testament where perfect kids ride pedestals of surf onto the beach and Lake Speed's legendary hair rots west of the Red Rock balconies, and neutral horses with fiery games. CXVI. A man walked into a bar at sunset, took his hat off, and wiped his brow with the back of his shirt sleeve. After a hard day's work, you deserve a cold beer, said the bartender. Give me a cold beer, he said. It's been a long day, but it's all worth it now. The rest of the work crew walked into the bar. We've been working hard, and now working time is through, they said. There's nothing like a cold beer when all is said and done. Man, this beer hits the spot, said one. All day long while I was working, I was imagining how good this was going to taste. Yeah, there's nothing like a nice cold beer after a hard day's work, said another. C.L.I. A mutt barks at the service entrance as the foursomes, still using their bridge game aliases, climb up to the bedrooms. A computer would jam under all the distractions in a watchdog's eye or, scrolling through a long list of contemporary enemies, headed by shapeshifters. Never recognize the smokers as they scale the award-winning garden walls. North goes down on east, and the branches out the window shift like scars on a toymaker's hand. When he's finished, he gets up and walks to the bathroom, where a smoker is waiting and beats him until his body is rich with contusions. Getting hurt makes a doctor a better doctor, he mutters, and climbs out the open window. Meeting mountains is a weekly affair and is a production of Duver Podcasts and Such, Rate, review, share, and sponsor at meetingmalkmus.com. Connect with JD at jd at meetingmalkmus.com. And hey, I'm social. Follow me everywhere at Meeting Malcolmus. Duvra! Podcasts and such.